Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great, too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. <laughs> On today's show, we have Amanda Deaton. She is the part of the vocational program in Child Vision, and she is a social care worker. Hello, Amanda, and welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Hi, Aaron. How's it going? Aaron, just to just let you know, I'm actually a... I'm not a social care worker. I am a vocational tutor. Oh, okay. I thought they were connected in some way. The social care work uh, care team just work in the residential houses. Oh, okay. And then, so the tutor team down here, um, we're not social care workers. Okay, good. Um, how did you get involved with Child Vision? Well, um, that was 12 years ago now. Um I saw the job and I applied for it and um, I, I suppose I didn't really know if I would have getting it to be honest because I had no um, experience in the field of disability um, I had a couple of small qualifications um, that were kind of applicable to the role um, but then I got the job so you know it was a, a new kind of uh, career for me um, and yeah I've been here since And what were the qualifications that you had before uh thinking about child vision okay so for the for the, the job itself like there is no formal qualification in terms of being um, you know a tutor on this program it's a very I suppose specialised um, area and it was only then when I joined um, the team that I kind of got more specialist training I did a, an in-service diploma in working with people with a visual impairment um, but in terms of what they were looking for was either something around um, volunteering experience and I had some I had a, a certificate in counselling Do you think that you would have been working with disability before um, you took this role? No, it was never never um, a, a career kind of on my career horizon to be honest um, it was never really I suppose promoted when I was in school or um, in terms of um like going for like a social care qualification I didn't even know there was that kind of a qualification um, I'm not sure if I would have gone for it when I was younger um, I was a bit older kind of coming to, to child vision I was in my 20s um, but um, you know I had I, I, it was never uh, on my kind of you know path really in, in terms of my career when I was younger And what career did you want to do in your in when you were younger? Um, I have a degree in uh, digital media. I initially started thinking I was going to work in sound, sound engineering, and then after college I went on and I worked on some uh, sound for movies, and I realised then that wasn't really going to be for me. I still use a lot of that uh, experience in my work today, which is great, um, but I realised it wasn't going to be a career for me, so I went and did a bit of travelling, came back, and worked in a couple of different jobs, and then I saw the child vision job. What was the role in child vision that you take? Was vocational program uh, part of that at the time? Yes, yeah, so it was a, the the job was um, a vocational tutor. Yeah. And and what do you teach? Um, so my I suppose my 
job has very much changed over the years. Um, I look after a lot of the kind of personal development, advocacy, um, kind of areas within the program. Um, I um, used to kind of do a lot of cooking and independence and technical skills. And um, I think, I suppose if if you were to kind of talk about the program a little bit more, um, it's very much tailored to the students that come in. Um, and, you know, we don't have a, a one-size-fits-all for um, the students that are here. So the program has kind of evolved along those lines. So advocacy, personal development, um, like emotional and social kind of well-being um, has been, I suppose, something that's been um, necessary for all the students. So um, my main area would be that and then I do lots of other things like money management and um, I do some media and technical kind of work with the students and uh, we are at the moment working on he I don't know if you've seen the television Facebook page he does a vlog where he talks about lots of different things and um, so we're just kind of getting back on stock at that moment so that's another session um, but it really varies you know and when a, a, a student enters the program is it just visual impairment or is there other disabilities that are around that individual? Um, yeah, so the students on our program would have a range of support needs. So um, generally, obviously the common denominator is you would test other visual impairment to be our uh, essentials for uh, blind and visually impaired uh, children and young people. And so that would be a necessity. And then, yeah, um, lots of other um support needs yeah and how do you how do you cater for the individual um, while teaching them skills that they need for the range of support needs is that what you mean yes so that's yeah that's a challenge that we um, we face uh, Aaron on, on, a, on a daily basis um, we you know at the centre of all of our our programme is our is our, our students you know so we have to look at um you know, a wide range of, of visual impairments. You know, some people need large fonts, some people need smaller fonts, some people need braille. Um, and then also learning styles. Um, some people prefer to be in a group, some people prefer to be one-to-one. So we really try and cater for that so that everybody can be included, that wants to be included. And then um, some people might want to be included in the group all the time. Um, some people might like to participate in a module but might need um, one-to-one work. So we really try and make sure that everybody has all the kind of opportunities that they want. So you you and your team must be observing the students all the time to make sure you're you're getting the right uh, skills into them. Yeah, and it's, it's very much, um, it's an ongoing process, Aaron. Like, so, you, you know, you start off and um, we would have, you'd come in and have an assessment and the goals are identified by the student. Um, what the areas that they want to work on um, you know we don't force anybody to do anything they don't want to do like so you know we have an option to do horticulture here but if you don't want to do horticulture that's absolutely fine um, there's lots of animals here there's horses and um, there's an opportunity to do horse riding so it's very much um, depends on each student and what they want to do so you identify goals things that you want to work towards and then we put a plan in place to help the student uh, and support them to achieve those goals. And then the plan is reviewed at the uh, mid-year and either new goals are identified or the goals are broken down to make them a bit more simple. And then, yeah, then it's the end of the year and it starts all over again. What are the assessments to enter the programme? Um, well, you, you, can, you come in and you have an assessment um, with... Um, to kind of maybe identify um, what, what support needs you might have. So you would come in and you'd be seen by um, an MDT, which is a multidisciplinary team. So you'd have like OT, physio, speech and language, vocational, the residential assessment if people are opting for a residential placement, um, nursing. Um, and then I suppose the student would go through all those processes and then see if there are any specific areas that are um, named for uh, support um, and then at the end of the assessment then um, if the student accepts a place on the programme then that's how you can help to drop goals if there's a specific um, goals identified by any of those uh, professionals and then obviously the student goals will be the most important ones. How long is the programme? Um, 
depending on uh, the student again. Some students opt for uh, to, to finish up at the end of the third year and then um, some people the fourth year would generally be um, out and about in the community a lot more like around um, maybe a course or a um, work placement um, we had a student last year who was doing a couple of work placements in uh, the botanical gardens and in um, a hotel in the community so yeah it's, it's very much uh, kind of it's up to the students and after the third or fourth year what's the progression after that for the students yeah this this is uh, this is a big issue Aaron um, after the third or fourth year um, some students have transitioned on to a um there's an association of housing for people that are visually impaired in uh, North County Dublin um, and other students might go back home to their community um, and look at um, what kind of supports and resources are there. How do you and your team integrate advocacy to the students? Okay, so advocacy is a huge um, area for us. Uh, we try and include it in everything that we do. Um we do lots of work on assertiveness and public speaking and um, we're at the moment um, setting up our student council so we're going to have um, an election and like proper election and um, to, to, to vote in a class representative for vocational and then in the residential houses I'm sure you're aware yourself they have uh, student reps then that would meet with um, management and, and to highlight any issues so that's all really good in terms of advocacy um, I teach a lot of um, disability uh, rights we covered like the UNCRPD last year um, we do a lot of maybe some history of disability and um, and teaching uh, I suppose not to teaching the students maybe not to um, stand for any sort of discrimination I suppose and by knowing their rights as as uh, human beings and yeah as young adults in the world and the the rights is that a right towards them as a human or regarding their disability no it's just in general it's obviously um you know there's been um the capacity act was was um passed last year so we covered a lot of that and that was specific to, to disability um but then also human rights and we talk about our rights as well in um vocational um, their rights as students their rights as um, the responsibilities maybe as well that come with rights and the rights of others um, yeah so kind of a wide range in the bill of rights maybe and do you find all the work that you guys do do you find it frustrating or appreciated how do you mean what I mean is so you just described a, a small picture of what you you and your team do do you find working with the student uh, frustrating to integrate these skills and independence to the students um. mm. well I would never find it frustrating um, I, I love my job um, I love my job it's, it's different every day I learn every day um, I'm very privileged to work um, with you know in this position I, you know, I've, I've done it for 12 years and um, I, I happily come into work every day um, I would never be frustrated when it comes to a student. Um, I'd be frustrated maybe when it comes to the system outside. Um, it can be difficult for people that might go, you know, might go return to their communities and that, you know, they can't get the supports that they need. They can't get work. They can't get training. Or um, that's what really frustrates me. What do you like about your job? Oh, uh, what do I like about my job? I like the people I work with. I like that it can be, um, you know, it's, it's different every day. Um, you can never go in and say, okay, my day is going to just go, you know, a certain way. Um, work, I suppose that's the nature of working with people. Um, it's a kind of a job. I don't have um, like a set curriculum, you know. I don't have something like, okay, we're going to do this 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 class today. I, you know, we think of new things to cover all the time it's not a standards plan that I use every single year it's something that's kind of drawn up um, in accordance with the students that I work with so you might have an idea of okay well we're going to cover this topic today but um, you might end up covering a totally different topic or you might only get a little bit of it done or then you might get three or four things done it's you know it's um, I suppose it's it's interesting um, it's a nice place to work with um 
the students' goals? Are they quarters, monthly, year uh, goals? Um, okay, so goals, I suppose, as I said before, would be identified at the start of the year. Then they're kind of reviewed. Like, let's say you'd have a, a larger review um, after Christmas, but they're reviewed, I suppose, on a smaller basis every couple, every like even every week or so. You know, you would kind of check in with um, the student to make sure that everything is going well, that work is going well, and they're able to manage their coursework if there's anything coming up. Um, and uh, you know that would be kind of informally, um, but then I suppose formally, then you would have like a, a review then after Christmas, and then at the end of the year. What what is covered on the the course throughout the three or four years? Okay, so um, again, it very much depends on the student. The program is tailored to each individual student. So we have eleven students here, and they all have their own timetable. There's no students with the exact same timetable. It's not like school. So, you know, you could have up to, you know, 150 activities going on each week in terms of the students. There'd be, um, you know, you can do things. Our academic program is, is QQI and it's level one. Um, and it's a learning for life program that we wrote in conjunction with NCBI. And that would cover things like around like communication, decision making, goal setting, um, healthy eating, um, what else? Healthy eating, um, uh, fit for life, like a, a, a like a, a fitness kind of program, um, and then there's things like horse riding, swimming, sports, art, and um, my personal development, as I said, my advocacy class, and then there is uh, work placement. Um, some students would have work placements here on campus, others go outside. We have links like with the Botanic Gardens and we've had students go to um, the local credit union or to a hotel. And then, um, I think I've covered everything there. Yeah, and then there's also some music, sorry, music, computers. Um, but it very much depends on the student and what, what it is they um, need and what we can support them with. Okay, and how is the student uh, graded uh, to succeed in this course? There is no grade system, you know. Um, we have a, a you know a QQI program, and it depends on the student how long that will take. So, you know, we would always try and make sure that if QQI um, certification is something that the student wants, that we would support them to get it. So some students might fly through it and, uh, you know, it would be very simple for them um, in terms of academic work. And other students might need a bit more support around submitting evidence. So there's no great, you know, we don't come in and say, you know, you get 70% or 60%. Um, it's not really, it's not like a school program. If, if a student graduates from the QUCI level, is that part of the CEO platform or not? It's part of the national framework of qualifications. Um, again, it's level one. So I think level five is junior certificate. Um, I could be wrong on that now. Um, so, but it is a, it's a, it's a qualification. Like it's a certificate that's recognized. That could be then put towards further training. So we had a student who went on to do a level three in horticulture. Um, so it's a stepping stone, you know, it's a start. It's, start, it's a start on the, the, the framework of qualifications. How do the parents interact with the, the the tutors of the course? Okay, yeah. So we've had we've had a lot, always try and keep our, our doors open for for parents, and um, we um, parents would be very much part of the assessment process as well with their young person. Um, uh, you know, there is a, a, an option at the start as well for parents to kind of identify goals that they would like their their young person to achieve. Um, and then I suppose, you know, in terms of like, communication, there's always, you know, we keep in regular contact over the phone and um, via email if, if um, a parent has requested that format. So out, outside of the um, uh, Child Vision, the vocational programme, do, do you guys mm-hmm. get uh, an update on how that's going or what's the, how do you know the progress? So um, at the start of a work placement, we have a learning agreement and that where, where goals, like where the students would kind of identify 
and then um, their supervisor, let's say in the equine or in the botanic gardens or um, whoever it is, would identify goals for them to work on as well. Um, and again, there's a mid-placement review meeting where the goals are reviewed to see if there's new goals that need to be identified or if the goal needs to be um, continued. Um, and then at the end of the year, then you have like a, a like a a formal and a formal review of the placements and then further recommendations. How how long does a placement last for? Uh, that depends as well. Um, depends on the student. Depends on on the placement. What's available? Um, it can be challenging aren't to find placements. People sometimes are a bit concerned about uh, visual impairment and endurance and um, what it you know, might entail for them to support someone with a visual impairment. Generally, we find that once um, the people meet our students, um, it always, you know, tends to go very well. And that's why we continue to have links with the people who have allowed us in. Um, insurance is always a big one. We, uh, we provide our own insurance. Um, Sorry, I forgot what you asked me now. <laughs> I was I was just asking the progress of the student. I was rabbiting on. No, it's fine. I was just asking about the progress of the student through work experience. Yes. Um, and and um, why do you think it's so difficult to get placements for this pro- for the students? Except except insurance. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's. I suppose it's a bit of fear, maybe. Um, people. I think people think that people that are visually impaired are going to fall over or hurt themselves or. Um, and maybe it's just a people's lack of maybe experience um, in in working with people that might have a vision impairment. Um, but as I said, once we, you know, once they kind of tend to meet the student and um, you know see that blind or visually impaired people are very capable um, and they're not necessarily going to fall over everything, or if they do fall, it's okay because everybody falls, and you know we all pick ourselves back up again. Um, you know, it, it tends to be, you know, fine. And do you think that's lack of education or just ignorance? Um, I suppose ignorance is a bit of a harsh word. Um, I'd say it's maybe lack of education and experience, maybe. Um, yeah, I, I, I think maybe that it's a, it's a bit of fear and maybe a lack of, yeah, experience in, in supporting someone with a visual impairment or... Um, you know, a lot of people, you, you see people, you know, very well meaning sometimes uh, trying to guide someone across the road and they're pushing them along um, and they mean very well, but then, you know, but they don't necessarily know how to ask someone, do they want to take their elbow? So it's not, I suppose, it, you know, it, it, not everybody's going to be trained in how to, to work with someone with a visual impairment and, and that's fair enough. Could, we, could there be a way of educating people or is it just that... Um the way the area of disability is? Yeah, I've thought about this a lot, actually, around, um, you know, because let's say if if a company has agreed to take on um, a student with a work placement. So last year, we had a very um, successful placement in a a law firm. And um, before that student went out, um, we had a mobility trainer go out and do sighted guard training, do some um, maybe um, disability awareness training with the people there, with the staff there. And it was a huge success. And I think uh, the staff there really seemed to enjoy it as well. Um, so I think maybe steps like that are, are really important. Um, and maybe then the interaction that those uh, professionals had with, the, with our students, um, I, they learned a lot as well. So it's maybe things like that. I don't know if you could hold it in a giant conference for everybody to go to um, on how to, you know, site guide or... Uh, I don't know. I don't have the answer to that, but I'm afo- unfortunately... It's it's okay. It's a, it's a big question because I think um, that the education is there, but I wonder mm. are we not tapping into it properly? Mm. Do you mean do you mean the education in terms of the, the kind of professional experience in, in uh, yeah that's what I'm, people, to support people? That's yeah. what I'm saying. You guys you guys have the education of doing it, but I wonder are people actually tapping into those resources and figuring out ways of uh, making a better uh, environment for us. Yeah, and I think even uh, you know it's it's true um, interaction, you know, human interaction. So you know, for somebody that might meet somebody who's visually impaired, and then you know, get to realise, well, actually, you know, 
a visual impairment does not doesn't define somebody. It's it's maybe it might be part of who somebody is, but it doesn't mean that you know you have to be put into a box and you know you have to do this career or you can't do this by yourself. So um, I think things like um, you know like media coverage, the Olympics. Um, all, all all those kind of things are, are you know are a step in the right direction, uh, but there is there's loads of work to, to be done, and it's not just around vision impairment; it's around all sorts of spots impairments. Do you have you thought of any idea how to kind of step this forward for the progression, or is it start already? Um, the like in terms of you know spreading the the words, like spreading the education around. Kind of yeah. Is that what you mean? Yeah. Yeah, I suppose, like, you know, in in terms of our work here, um, you know, our work is very much based on our students here. You know, um, we are not a, an organisation, let's say, like Inclusion Ireland, who's, um, who's there to kind of go out and, you know, educate people on uh, what it's like to have, an, a, you know, an intellectual disability or it's... We're, we're, we're here we're an educational centre um, I'm not saying that's not under our arena to do it Aaron it, it certainly is you know and it's, it's very much part of you know us getting out and about into the community getting the community involved in, in what we do here um, you know we have a, a, a cafe as you know that um, there's lots of you know it's open to, to the public and um, we have lots of training days and um, we've got gardens and the pets and the horse riding um, and I suppose it's about, you know, letting people in as well as us getting out into the community. Um, and, you know, it's, it's I suppose it's in terms of even deinstitutionalisation, breaking down those walls. Um, it's It's been going on a good while, um, but, you know, there is still a long way to go. I don't really have the answer to that for you, you know. It's, I don't have the... Uh, I suppose it's 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 a bigger question, maybe you know, in terms of policy in the country, um, in in terms of societal attitudes, it's a complicated one. Yeah, no, it was just I was just wondering, had you thought about it while working with visual impairment students? Do you do you feel that um, as a as a worker in child vision, when you hear something like um, uh, extra money for disability or stuff like that? Do you think yes, they're moving the right place, or do you just feel like it's it's a a struggle for the person that has a visual impairment? Do you mean extra money for uh, like in terms of benefits? Yeah, I was just using that as an ex- I was just using that as an example to kind of probe the question of that. Uh, do you think that sh- the 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 area of disability is slowly improving to the individual? Yeah, well, I suppose it's, there's been a lot of talk, I suppose, around the benefits track, you know, and that um, it can be difficult with people, for people or disabled people to to get work, let's say, because if they get work, they will lose their benefits. Um, and it comes from, I suppose, an attitude of charity towards people with disability. And it's um, obviously support um, and if I hear that they're getting extra money of course that, would, that wouldn't be something that would be I, I, you know I would have a negative attitude against um, but I suppose what I would prefer to see happening would be that um, I'd like people you know I'd prefer initiatives to be set up so that people with all all types of support needs can get out and have um, employment if they want to that can have proper access to education on on a, on a level playing field um, that have access to, you know, their communities and to be really included, you know, really included, not just on a tokenistic level. So, yeah, extra money can help. No necessary problem. I think it can might be a little bit of a band-aid. Uh, but there's there's a lot of, you know, deeper issues maybe, that, you know, that need to be kind of addressed. Uh, is, is there a way of addressing these or is it just going to be a continuum of the way the system is, in your opinion? Oh God! Um, well, you have to, you know, if you if you think that there's not going to be a way of addressing them, you might as well just stop now. You know, you do have to keep, you know, struggling, and I think it's really important to to promote um, not even a positive image of of, of disability, um, because I suppose you know I come from the perspective of you know disability is. Um, 
you know, there are barriers that are placed on people with impairments. You know, they're disabled by the limitations and by, you know, physical and um, uh, societal and and as lay people with impairments. That's, you know, my, my thinking on disability. Um, so, yeah, uh, it's, a, it's a very, I think you have to keep going. Um, and it's only through, um, I suppose, get, you know, getting out there, keep pushing against the system, trying to create awareness and trying to change policy. Um, I, I'm, I, I'm at the moment doing a Master's in Disability Studies in Trinity and as part of that I, I'm working on a, a, a longitudinal study um, of um, people with intellectual disabilities and that would have uh, it's called the IDS Tilda study and it would have um, ha- had great influence over policy making um, for people with intellectual disabilities in the country so so you just have to keep going you know there's lots of people working really hard to um, improve the situation in this country um, and around the world um, for people with disabilities but also you know you have to remember that the majority of, of people with disabilities are living in, in developing countries in you know severe poverty where they don't have um, the resources like we have yeah and the you, you said something about barriers what are the, the barriers that, that are in front of a disabled person well, they can, you know, they can range, and I'm sure you know yourself, Aaron, they can range from, you know, bureaucratic barriers to, you know, physical barriers, like, uh, and about the environment, what it might be like to uh, try and navigate through, you know, badly made uh, cities or um, footpaths and, you know, uh, but I think probably the worst ones are, you know, attitudinal barriers around, you know, society and, and what they um, think of people with disability and whether it's either sure God loves them or whether it's that you know they'll never be on the same level and have a low expectation um, but I, I like to think that it's changing and that people are realising that you know an impairment is just part of somebody it's not it's, it doesn't define who they are or, or, or what they can achieve When you look at your students and you see them um, uh going through their day-to-day experiences in life and becoming what they want to become does that give you hope of what's what's going to come come down the road or is um yeah i like i suppose you you know the work that we do here it's you know you have to just focus on the work that you're doing um and what you can do to support the students now you know we work with young adults so um you'd like to think that you, you're helping, you know, to um, kind of equip them with skills they might need, like around mobility or daily living skills or social skills or, you know, public speaking skills so that they can go on and achieve what they want to achieve in their lives. Um, in terms of giving me hope, um, I suppose the hope, uh, you know, my hopes for them, um, I don't know what you mean, maybe not mean by giving me hope. Um, what would give me hope maybe is seeing maybe more people um, not accept but maybe more people who just um, have an openness and um, who have um, you know an inclination maybe to engage with what we do here um, and that, that gives me hope Oh, Outside of the vocational programme do you integrate with any of the other services in Child Vision? Do I? Do I work in any of the services? Yeah I'm just trying to get an idea of so you're mainly set in the vocational the vocational centre but do you have do you link in with other programmes to enable the students to do what they need to do yeah so they work with um, the music teacher and the um, computer teacher we work with um, the equine um, centre here um, for students to avail of work placement and of equine therapy and of um, horse riding um, we link in with the garden centre uh, for horticulture, um, and then yeah, I think obviously then if students need um, speech and language therapy or OT, then we link in with those services um, for physio. Um, yeah, we're very lucky. We have we have um, we've you know great amount of resources here and, and a, a really dedicated. Um, body of staff who are always willing to help and answer a question or give us support if we need it. Uh, in the in Child Vision, is there any new improvements to the services that you see coming down the line? Um, yeah, well, I don't know if you've been in, Aaron, to see the new, um, our new cafe and our new library. The library has been extended. Um, it's 
really beautiful. And um, we've moved classrooms, and we've just gotten some new classrooms this year. Um, we're back over in the castle, um, and they've renovated the old kitchens, so we, that's where we are now. Um, uh, like the service is always kind of evolving, I suppose, as well to to kind of meet the needs of the people that are coming coming into it. Uh, the the secondary school and residential Rosminy do does the vocational program uh, do any work with Rosminy in in any way? Not with Rosminy, no. And um, in looking back at what you've done so far, do you wish you'd gone into a different area? Are you happy where you are? I'm so happy where I am. No, I, I love my job. I know I've said that already. I really do. I love my job. Um, you know, we have a great team here and, um, you know, we've new students all the time. So, yeah, it's, and the, you know, it, it's a lot to say that you, you, know, you, come, you come in to work feeling really happy and I laugh here every day. I'm always learning, you know, the job is always changing. So, no, I'm very glad. I'm very glad that they, they took that chance on me 12 years ago. Um, yeah, it's a great place to work. When the student finishes, do you guys still keep in touch with the student to see how their progress is going? Um, yeah, that's, I suppose, something that um, we uh, I'd always encourage, say, you know, to drop in, let us know how you're getting on, um, if we can do anything to support it in terms of, um, an educational uh, side of things if, if people are going on to other training if they need um, you know I suppose it, not everyone has experience in, in working with people with a visual impairment so even disability services might be um, that aware of it in universities or colleges um, so we would always encourage the student if they need it or anything we're here um, to let them you know to come back to us um, but um, you know a lot of them a lot, a lot of students might ring in just to say hello and um, yeah, in terms of going out into the communities we don't no. Okay, and do you think it's something that might come down in the future, connecting with the communities? Yeah, definitely. It's it's something that um, I would love to happen, Aaron. Um, it would, um, I suppose, it, you know, it's it's the way service provision is going now. It's, it's, it's community-based service. Um, so, yeah, I think that, um, you know, helping or supporting any sort of integration into the community um I'm looking at like the resources that are there and um, it's something I would yeah, I'd love to be part of Are, I know you said you're, you're constantly learning with the, with the students but with your own education around uh, disabilities and visual impairment is that continuing continuing to grow as well? Yes I'm still I'm, I'm on my second year now of my Master in Disability Studies in Trinity um, and that was a huge learning for me I went I went back last year um, but, uh, further education is something that I um, Child vision is, is really supportive of, and um, there's lots of within the team. There's you know people who have done braille, who have done um, FRS training, and there's another um, tutor is doing psychology, and um, it's definitely something that has been you know it's promoted um, uh, to us as staff to continue our professional development. So um, the masters has just been um, really beneficial for me, um, and I suppose I, I'd like to think that it's been beneficial for the students as well because I've come been able to come back and pass on the knowledge that I've learned to them. Is there anything in your mind that's that stuck out in doing your masters? Um, yeah, I suppose there's been lots of lots of things that have um, stuck in my mind around what I've learned. Um, we did. We, you know, we covered lots of, um, I suppose, the theory of disability and disability studies and um, the very complex nature of it. Um, I don't know. So, so the one thing that's come to mind, just I suppose, what you were talking about um, barriers. And I don't know if you've read the, the Vic uh, Finkelstein able-bodied disabled. Um, I, I passed that on to our students. It's a piece that he wrote, I think, in the seventies or eighties, um, around how the world that we know it is designed and that if the world was designed in a different way uh, what it would be like so uh, yeah that's just something that jumped out at me there um, but I suppose learning about the extent of um, disability in the world and in the developing world in particular um, yeah that's definitely something that stuck in my mind and around the, I got to learn a lot about um, the legal side of things and the UNCRPD um, we did a lot of work in the Capacity Act and uh, kind of legal history and cases that would have been um, taken in the state here. And uh, yeah, it was, it was a really, really, um, it was an amazing training and I'm still learning, so it's great. You, you mentioned about legal. How does the uh, legality fit into disability? 
Well, oh, we did. I did a law module just. Uh, it was just around um, the different cases that were taken. That kind of may, but you know, that maybe changed the law here in Ireland around education for people with disabilities um, and um, you know policy formation and that sort of thing um, and the implications it would have had um, on the lives of people with disabilities in Ireland. So that that was was um, where that came from. Okay, and um, do you think Ireland is very accessible and open to disability compared to other countries? I don't know if if, if this is the answer that fits into that fits into your studies mm-hmm. or not. But if it is, um, be interesting to hear. Um, yeah, I think Ireland is probably we're probably maybe a little bit more progressive than what we think we are. Um, there's loads of work to be done. Um, you know, I suppose everybody looks towards the kind of Nordic models like Sweden and uh, Finland and stuff um, but I think Ireland is you know it's it's working away and um, it's yeah it's, it's not down the bottom it's not up the top but it's definitely not down the bottom anyway okay and um, if if you were visually impaired in the in the morning after seeing what what is done in child vision would you attend it most definitely and and I know you're you're sighted, but if you were also vision impaired and there was a, a miracle or a cure in the morning, would you would you take it? Wow, that's a philosophical question, Aaron. If I was visually impaired, let's say from from birth, yeah, and there was a miracle cure in the morning, would I take it? Well, it's a difficult question to answer as as a sighted person. So, if maybe if I looked at it as in if somebody told me tomorrow that there was all these things I couldn't see, and if I took this pill or if I did this operation, I could see them. I don't know, to be honest, Aaron. I don't know. Um, I think you know that might that question might be answered, for, you know, differently by everybody. Um, mm. I don't know any difference. Um, if if someone's saying, "Oh, this is going to make your life easier," yeah, maybe I would. Yeah, maybe I would. Take some getting used to, though. But what about you? I might, you know, depending what 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 is there. But I'm just curious, as a service user, what would you? If you threw the question, what would the answer be? That was just the, because you're you're watching myself and other individuals lead a a life where we can achieve what we want to achieve. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Well, that would like that. You know, that that would be the miracle cure for me. To be honest, is just to you know, not, you know, you know, we're all different and we all have different strengths and abilities. And I think that you know that's what should be focused on. And, and that you know, I think it was it Einstein who said about. You know, if, if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it will always think it's stupid. You know, everybody's a genius. So it's about maybe focusing on people's abilities and strengths. Um, and it's not, I'm not trying to be like, um, you know, give like an airy fairy answer there, but it's like, it, it's, I, I suppose it's the way, it's what I feel. I think like you should um, see ability in everybody, regardless of, of their impairment, and they should be able to, yeah, live. You know, the life of, of their choosing, definitely. Tell us what a day-to-day is like in child vision. I know you said it's it's different from day-to-day, but what is a an average day for you? Average day. So, each, obviously, uh, every day is different. Um, you know, generally, I come in in the morning, we do run through the day, see if there's anything coming up uh, with the tutors, and staff come in from the residential houses, students come in. And we do check-ins with the students. We go through timetables. We look at if anybody has any anything coming up. Um, if there's sometimes we have visitors in, so we might say, okay, well, this is just coming around at eleven. Um, and then we just kind of get going on the day. So um, today, 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 Thursday. And um, so you know, today could range from uh, doing a one-to-one session with a student to um, like a maybe a personal development class, money management. Um, I do that with a couple of students. We have a movie club where we choose a movie each week um, and then critique it the following week. So um, we always try, well, actually, this is something that you might be able to help me with. We're trying to look for, obviously, audio-described movies. Not that, there's a good, good, a lot on Netflix. Um, lots of their own stuff is audio-described. Um, but then trying to find movies um, that are audio described um, on other platforms can be difficult. Um, so, yeah, it just depends, you know. Uh, the day is very varied and doesn't always go to plan either. And how how do you guys introduce the social interaction? Because I know being vision impaired socially is a very hard uh, and can be a problem for the individual to 
be social to the community or to their friends? Yeah, um, so social interaction, I suppose, um, you know, that would be done. Like, we, we go on lots of outings. Um, it's very much part of their programme in the evening times. Um, the students would have very hectic social life and students go to drama or music clubs or they do they might go out for a pizza or um, go for a drink in, uh, in the pub or go into town for comedy nights um, you know social social uh, yeah interaction I suppose for them here um, is you know very much based around um, with staff here with maybe work placement uh, around the community around the public that comes into us um, yeah, it is. It's I suppose um, it's an area. I suppose that um, it's, it's really important. You know, it's important to have friends and to have uh, social interaction for everybody. Um, and it's something I suppose that we really promote here. In in doing your your masters, do you see that as a problem as well outside of child vision? Social interaction. Yeah. Yeah. Well, social interaction, social connectedness, and and inclusion. Um, can be a problem for a lot of people yeah um, and it's there's no magic answer because everybody is different um, every community is different every you know person is different some people might want a lot of social interaction um, some people prefer to be on their own and then for those that um, aren't on their that want to have social interaction so you have to try and look at ways of supporting that like whether it's night courses or you know just getting out into the community doing different things um, linking in with any groups social groups or um anything that's going on in the area yeah it's a, it's a problem for I think a lot of people that have um, impairments yeah who inspires you Amanda? who inspires me? wow Aaron um, uh, who inspires me? yeah I suppose um, you know people who work hard inspire me um, people who are you know open and willing to engage and um, who are um, honest and yeah you know the, the people I work with most definitely inspire me um, and um, yeah you know I, I come across you know a variety of people every day and um, yeah I suppose I don't have one single person that inspires me that, that is, that's fine um, I know Child Vision is a, a charity model for um, for business but do you see something like the UK system be more beneficial to uh, something like Child Vision? Okay, if you mean like privatisation? Yes. Of, of services? Mm. Um, I suppose um, it wouldn't be something, privatisation of services um, wouldn't be something that I would be a huge uh, advocate of. I would prefer to see um, people being given um, service users or people with disabilities or being given individual budgets and being able to shop around for services. That would be my ideal situation. Um, I think like um, maybe making money um, and for profit organisations you know at the end of the day their ethos is to make profit um, obviously you know you do need to make money but it shouldn't be at the forefront of um, service provision for people I don't agree with that and then in the instance of um, that business then going bankrupt what would happen to the people who are uh, using its service Whereas if you took the profit out of it, if you take, and not that I agree with necessarily a charity model either, um, but it's, it's the way services are a lot of the time in this country. I think if you were to give, you know, individualised budgets to people and then make them the consumer, that maybe it might change things a little bit. The techno- technology side, do you guys, like, would you guys have more, uh, like, technology to help the vocational students or is it just through... Um, like, how do you teach them through technology? Yes, yeah, so um, we have, um, obviously, we use speech package John, and we have um, a, you know, Zoom text or um, we've brailers here, going back to old school analogue. Uh, we've two qualified braille instructors. Um, we have some students that go down to NCBI who do an assistive technology course. Um, but then if each student, then depends on the student, if they want um, input using their phone, we can help them with that. Um, or, you know, if it's something that we are not skilled in, we try and ask for you know help with that. Like so, we have um, a, a social care worker here who's, who looks after all the assistive technology. So she then, if we were looking for support around um, 
you know, using a certain package or um, if a student needed support around that, she would definitely, you know, be there to help us, yeah. Amanda, if there was if there was one particular piece of knowledge from your story, a journey or experience to help either you, the user, the individual um, that has a disability, what would it be? Or you may not have an answer for this question. That's fine as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think if everybody was to just, if you were to just take, you know, disability out of it, take impairment out of it, we are all impaired people. You know, none of us are um, are perfect. You know, we're all human at the end of the day. And that's what we should see in each other. We shouldn't see, you know, or measure or, um, you know, gauge people's um, worth in terms of their, you know, what they can produce. You know, everybody has um, something to something to give, you know, and it doesn't necessarily have to be financial or it doesn't have to be um, in terms of like, um, you know, what they can give back to society. It doesn't have to be um, gauged on how much money they can earn. So, you know, we're, we're human beings and that's what, you know, people should see. Excellent. Amanda, I want to say thank you for coming onto the show and sharing what you got to share. Not at all, Aaron. Thank you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.